Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Baby. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in and rolling on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Paranormal, as is customary on a Monday, it's time to bring in the Associate Executive Director of the Autos on Liberty Bowl. That would be Harold Grader on X at Harold Greater Harold, how's it going? Gabe, I'm great. What a weekend. It Holy was something. Cow. It was something. You know what I've never asked you? Um, my family, my dad at least, was born in Cincinnati. Are you Greater's Ice Cream? Greater's is that, ice is that, cream. Is that, is that, is that One of the legendary ice cream brands. Of course. In America. Of course. They are distant cousins of ours. Rock on. My family was in Texas. My grandparents and ancestors the greater ice cream dynasty. Those folks It's settled. a dynasty. Yes, No it is. question. Settled in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. But about 30 years ago or so, one of my uncles who was in the grocery business in Texas learned of the greater ice cream brand, did the family genealogy, and the lines crossed back in Germany. And way back in my Channel 5 days, Gabe, uh-huh. the Tigers were playing in the conference basketball tournament in Cincinnati. Right. And went up there to cover the tournament. And on our travel day, when it was all over with, I made arrangements to go by Grader's Ice Cream and did a story with Rich Grader, who runs the company. And uh, it is fabulous. It's available at some of the... Uh, specialty grocery yep. stores here in Memphis. If you haven't had it, it's, try it. And I say that as a endo- personal endorsement, but I get nothing out of yeah. it other than <laughs> leading you to a great ice cream brand My, that I know you will enjoy, especially anything with, with the big chocolate chunks yes, in it. Yes, yes. I mean, in mo- yeah. most of their ice creams, have. My dad My dad sends it all out to everybody yep. at, the, uh, the at the holidays. Yep. Sends them like, Fifteen pints apiece. Yeah, you know, and being from always Tex- great. And being from Texas, obviously the the sacred cow, no pun intended, is bluebell ice cream. Yeah, but which is pretty good. But, but graters, I, I don't know. You. I've got it in the store. I've got it right there in the in the shop too. It's awesome. Pretty dang good when you're when you're there. Now it was a great weekend. It yes, was it was it was an interesting weekend <laughs> to say the least. Man, um, I do want to start though. SEC. I don't know what to think about them. Obviously, Georgia at the top, right? But we have Alabama already lost. LSU has lost. Tennessee just lost. A&M has lost already through. I mean, we're only going on to week four, right? So it's like I'm trying to put my finger on what exactly is going on with the SEC, and I can't quite do it. I just feel like this is uh, it's a lot more average than it usually is. And like when you want to say it's top heavy, you think of Alabama and LSU not having yeah. lost by now, but they have. And even the teams that are quote unquote at the top or are showing that they all have issues. Yep. Some Georgia played close. It's either one side of the ball or the other, or in some cases, issues on both sides of the ball. So you look at the SEC, and after three weeks of play, there are only five undefeated teams. Yep. Georgia, Kentucky, Mizzou, Auburn, Ole Miss. And the, the quote-unquote uh, big guys have, have struggled. And, and are in some cases, they're winning, but they're still searching for some answers. 
and probably at the top of that list, uh, Alabama. Yep. Uh, obviously, we have known since spring that quarterback was going to be an issue for Alabama. I think a lot of people thought, and I include myself in this, Gabe, is once they got through spring ball and then brought in Buckner from Notre Dame with the new OC at Alabama, my thought was that was his guy at Notre Dame. They'll get it fixed going into the fall. But we go through all of fall camp, and they still haven't solved it. Right. You don't bring in a guy like that if you don't. If you have what you need on the roster, you wouldn't have brought in Tyler Buckner. That's all it said to me. Now, where do you stand on their quarterback battle? I mean, I I can't look at that quarterback uh, room and in my right mind say Tyler Buckner can run out there again. He was very bad. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's fine. And he was a a, a solid uh, recruit out of high school. But you cannot run him out there. Ty Simpson looked mediocre, I'd say, in that game against South Florida. I am of the opinion it feels like Jalen Milrow, yeah, he, he can he can make some tough plays um, and, and, and put you behind the eight ball. But at the same time, I feel like he's the best you have. I feel like he's the best you have if you're Bama right now. And he can also burn people with his legs and make big plays happen uh, yeah. downfield potentially. So I, I, I feel like that's where they're at right now. And that's not a perfect place to be, but – you have to throw out your best option uh, week to week. I'm leaning that way too, Gabe, that they go back to Milrow this week. Uh, as you said, the other two quarterbacks played. But let me tell you, yes, quarterback is a problem, but I start in, and this is your area of expertise. O-line. The O-line. Yep. That's where it starts and ends because if you can't protect, I don't care who you put back there, you're yep. going to have issues. And, and Alabama – continues to have problems on the old line. They had, they gave up five sacks yep. to South Florida. Five. And when your quarterback is running around or is on his back, I don't again, I don't care who you have back yep. there, you're not going to be able to perform. Big red flag for Alabama is that offensive line. And then, you know, going back to the decision to pull Milrow last week, I think Saban's quote uh, something to the effect of, hey, you know, we went through a week of practice and we played who practiced best. Okay. And last week after Texas, it was the other two guys. It wasn't Milrow. They went that way. They got through the game. It wasn't pretty. Uh, so they survived it. So now what do you do? Now that you're into league play and, and obviously what's on the line gets ratcheted up. Yep. Hugely from here on out, especially league game and knowing that no two-loss team has ever gone to the playoff. Mm-hmm. So there is no wiggle room for Alabama. They've yeah. got to win, and they'll have all they can handle with Ole Miss. And I was in Oxford Saturday night uh, to see them against Georgia Tech, and we could talk about them in a little bit. Yeah. But Alabama has issues, and I thought they would get them fixed last week and then show that in the game, still issues. But I, I really start with the O-line. Yeah, I really and, and it, I, I'm glad you bring it up that way because they're talented as hell. They, I mean, they have a five-star, the number one O-tackle in the 2023 class, I believe, starts at left tackle for them, Caden Proctor. He's out of the state of Iowa. A lot of Iowa fans felt burnt that he didn't end up there. But Alabama or Iowa, I, th- I, I think I know what decision I'd make if I was in the same position. Um but he's he's big and he, he he seems raw still, and usually you're used to guys at least getting a couple years under their belt before they start for Nick Saban, and it feels like they're also maybe a little too big. They have three guys over three fifty. That is that is just that's a little too large, I think, right. at times to move in the right. in the correct do, way, especially in pass protection. Just, yeah. I mean, five sacks will tell you that. Now, um, moving on, Tennessee cannot win on the road at a. a at Florida, it's been since what 2003. Yeah, that I mean, and they got manhandled. They had their, oh, they had O line issues of their own. Yes, they couldn't run the ball. And I feel like with a Josh Heupel offense, yeah, people will talk about the big pass plays, but if you don't establish the run, you can't keep a defense honest and hit on those big pass plays. Um, so Tennessee just struggled all around in that game. And I was really surprised by that. I did not see that coming. I thought it would be Tennessee, not necessarily in a walk. 
but a comfortable win. And it was far from that, obviously. Nobody needed a win worse than Billy Napier. Because he up, got it. And, up until then, he really had not had a signature win. And there was heat on him. Uh, so for Billy Napier and the Gators, huge, huge, huge. Tennessee, you mentioned it. They have some O-line problems. And, you know, they with that offense, it's about tempo and rhythm. They had five false starts mm. in that game. And when you're doing that, you can't get that rhythm that that offense requires. Uh, you know, Milton, I think he threw a, threw a pick in the first half. And not a great performance by, by the Tennessee offense by, by any stretch. But they have their issues, too. Yeah, but uh, Florida showed, at least offensively, what works for them. Yes. Graham Mertz just somehow hit a couple of passes, keep a defense on us, and then run the ball. They have two guys back there. Yep. It's Montrell Johnson, and then they have uh, Trevor Etienne. But he ran for 172 yards, Trevor Etienne. They have some backs. I mean, if they can sort of get to that every game and make defenses defend that, Every game, I think they could win a few more games, and I think Billy could be safe. But he needed this win. He, he sure needed did. this one in he a sure huge did. way. And I think for him, and I think this is one of the things he said after that game, was, yes, it's been a slow, methodical process, but this validates our process. Yep. If you just hang in there with us, we can get this done now. <laughs> Will this carry over? Was it a one-shot deal where everybody's psyched and <laughs> right and Tennessee's having some struggles and it, and it all just came together for for Florida? We'll see. But I, I gotta believe, though, going back to the Tennessee side of that, that they're not as bad as they looked on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's the case. But I will say, no coach at Florida has lost to Tennessee. Right. At Florida since 2003, yeah. it tells you something. Yep. There's there's something there's something that bothers Tennessee about making that trip, and it's a hard place to play. Swamp's a hard place to play. You bet. There's no doubt about it. Um, Georgia at the top, they uh, really struggled in that first half. Sure did. Down 14 to three at half to South Carolina at home, and this is a game that they just ran away with last year. Yeah, on the road at South Carolina. But they end up coming back and winning. They score twenty one in the second half, twenty four to th- or twenty four to fourteen. They look even. I mean, I know they had a close game with Mizzou last year. I know they, you know, uh, could you know week to week. It depends what they look like in conference play. But I, I was not not impressed or enthused with what they put out there, especially at home against South Carolina. Right. You you have to run away with that thing if I want to consider you the number one team in the country. Well, Georgia, interesting look. Um, as you said, got off to the slow start. They have become, tip of the cap to them, you know, if they're having troubles in the first half, you know, they get in there at halftime and they make adjustments and yeah. they figure it out. They have become a second-half team, and Wow. They, they dominate second half. I, I think uh, defensively, you know, they shut down Rattler. He had 129 yards, zero points in the second half. Uh, that So the defense turned it up. Uh, they got a little offense going. Uh, a different look from Georgia. Um, but that's what great football teams do. They figure mm-hmm. out a way to win. And it, it may not be what Georgia fans right. have been accustomed to these past two years. But a win is a win. But... It makes you ask, what's going on there as well? Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I'm not like I'm not pushing any type of panic alarm. But Georgia at home, you don't want to see it that close against no, South Carolina. But no, it is what it is. But hey, you get a win. A win is a win is a win. And speaking of a win, sixty-one yarder, sixty-one oh. yarder in Columbia. Uh, Harrison Mevis, who's been there since, what, the Reagan administration? I mean, he has been there forever. <laughs> but 61-yarder SEC record to beat Kansas State. And that was a, a good crossover, too, oh SEC yeah. Big 12 matchup. And, and, he's a, and he's a big dude, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks like a, a lineman. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, don't they, they call him the thicker kicker? Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they do. Harrison yeah, they Mavis. do. But that was a bomb. My yes, gosh. it was. And you, and you thought, because the play before, they had a penalty. It was going to be, what, a 55-56 yarder. They have a penalty. And 
Oh, you think? Oh, okay, well, they, oh, they, yeah, just, no way. They, they just blew it. Yeah. They just blew it. They choked it away. They had right? a del- and also, it's the worst because it was a delay of game in that yeah. situation with no timeouts. How, how, do you how do can that? you let that happen? And then, because he had missed a 51 or 52-yarder earlier in the game, so they back him up, and you're like, eh, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. And boom! He Oh, he hammered got it. Got a hold of it. He hammered it. And wow, what a scene. Good for Eli Drink. He needed the win. Uh, that fan base needed that win. Uh, they rushed the field, which is always fun. As long as no one gets hurt. Yes. It's, that, those are always fun. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Alyssa Lang from ESPN, right. SEC Network. Had her on on Friday. Was, yep. the, was the sideline reporter at that game. We, we have her in town tonight at, at the uh, Touchdown Club. So we're looking forward to talking to her uh, about being in. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In the middle of the the crush of fans there, but good win for Mizzou. Uh, Good for them. Can they sustain it? We'll see. Obviously, that rolls into what's coming up this Saturday in St. Louis at the Dome, playing the Tigers. Huge. And, you know, from a Memphis perspective, I mean, obviously, Mizzou's pretty good. Yeah. Quarterback's pretty good. I like number three. I was three. impressed with the quarterback this yes. week, although I haven't really in his, I haven't right. been overly impressed in his career, but that was good. And, and he did it against a good K-State team. Um, Luther Burton, the third. Stud. Not to be... Confused with Thurston Howell III from <laughs> yeah. Gilligan's Island, but yeah. uh, Burden, who you'll see Saturday against Memphis. Number, if if you don't know the name, just know the jersey number, number three, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Had a really good game. Uh, somebody that the Tigers are going to have to look out for this weekend in uh, St. Louis. Uh, but a good win for Mizzou. That program needed it. Uh, Eli needed it, and again, uh, a signature win for Eli. You know. He's been to three bowl games with this team, but hasn't had a winning season yet. Mm-hmm. So they've been on him a little bit. The pressure's been on on Drinkwitz. So good for him. He gets a solid win uh, against a ranked team uh, there at home uh, on Saturday. But but the but the buzzer beater field goal, which I believe is an SEC record, it is sixty one yards. Yep. Impressive. But 3-0 and versus 3-0. and yeah. Mizzou versus Memphis in yep. St. Louis on uh, ESPNU. That will be a that will be a big game. That's that's the, that's the type of game you want to see the Tigers play in. Well, either side. Yeah. Um, but what are your uh, just immediate thoughts? I know you brought up Luther Burden, and I know you brought up Brady Cook, but I think it's a seven-point line right now that the Mizzou Tigers are yeah. favored by. Um I think this is going to be interesting because there's a lot of things you have to pay attention to. Last week, I don't think the, uh, Memphis looked very good against Navy, but that yeah, that can always throw a wrench in your plans to play a yeah. team like that. And they gave them a little bit of a different look on offense, would spread it out a little bit almost. Navy did, but uh, Tigers, Memphis Tigers have a uh, have a little bit extra to prepare. They have a little bit of extra time because of the Thursday game to prepare for this yep. game. So you hope that that helps. You know, just. Based on the way the Tigers performed against Navy, I, I thought that number might be a little more mm-hmm. uh, than than just seven. Uh, obviously, the Tigers have things that I'm sure they have been working on since last Thursday. They have some issues. Uh, how will Mizzou respond after an emotional win like that? Uh, can they get up I two weeks what, in a row? I wonder what uh, that crowd in the dome is. Yeah. Not going to be a sellout. 
Uh, yes, it'll be a, certainly a Mizzou home crowd. Of course. But playing in the massive dome, is going to be like? Uh, not sure what, what, what that atmosphere is going to be like, but certainly a pro-Mizzou crowd, but a real opportunity here for the Memphis Tigers and Ryan Silverfield. One, boy, it'd be great if they could take advantage of the opportunity. Maybe Mizzou's not quite there mentally. Uh, t- again, the Memphis Tigers' uh, room for error is almost nil, I would yeah. say. Very fine line. you got to play almost perfect every week when you're playing a quality football team, which means few penalties, if, if any, no turnovers. You can't help the other guys. Uh, so, again, the opportunity is there. It's in front of the Tigers. Let's let's hope they take advantage of it. Yeah, I hope so. I, I am curious. So I haven't been to the Dome in quite yeah. a while since it was named the Edward Jones Dome, and now it's the Dome at America Center. So we'll uh, – We'll see what that looks like. Obviously, I don't think they're going to sell it out, like you said, but I hope it's not a sleepier crowd, if you will. But I think there should be some Mizzou fans out yeah. there after last and, week beat the number 15 team in the country. And, and you know, if, if it is a small-ish type of crowd, a low uh, excitement crowd maybe, uh, that's to, that's to the Memphis's yeah, advantage. Yeah, I would think so. I would think Absolutely. so, especially after last week. Yes, for 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 Mizzou. Absolutely. Um, now talking with Harold Grader, the associate executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We have a few more things to get to, um, including Ole Miss. They're rolling along. Yeah. Beat beat Georgia Tech at home. Looked good. I I, I guess I want to ask it this way. I know LSU looked really good this weekend against Mississippi State at Mississippi State. At that, yeah. I mean, just rolled them. Um, but with Alabama sort of down. Uh, with LSU having that loss at least on their on their resume so far, what do you think about Ole Miss in the West? I mean, have you have you been impressed thus far with with their performance, and do you think they can compete with those those big dogs at the top? Well, I was impressed with the win at Tulane, even though the quarterback for Tulane uh, didn't play or didn't play the entire game down there. That was a good win on the road yeah. uh, for Ole Miss the week before. I was in Oxford on Saturday night. Uh, Jackson Darts, the real deal. He looked really good. Started uh, running the ball a little bit. Absolutely. So he not only can throw it around a little bit, but he also has some nice runs. You know, passing, he was 10 of 18, 251, a touchdown pass. Uh, he had his had the running game going, had two running touchdowns in the game. So it's in front of, of Ole Miss now. The opportunity is there. And, you know, thinking back to spring and then going into, into uh, fall camp, you know, talking to uh, the media that cover Ole Miss on a daily basis and, and know that program better than anybody, you know, that the projections, predictions for Ole Miss literally went from everything from six and six, seven, five, all the way up to nine and three, right. maybe a ten and two, with an outside shot at a ten and two. That spectrum. Well, looking at them Saturday night against a a, a better Georgia Tech team yeah. uh, than a year ago. They're feisty, at least. I, I was impressed uh, with Ole Miss. They look good. So it's there in front of them. I mean, their schedule this week... <laughs> they get both of them in a row. This week, they're, they're <laughs> at Alabama. Then they're home to LSU and Arkansas. Then they hit an open week. So it is all out in front of Ole Miss. If they can perform, they could be 6-0, and leading the pack in the SEC West going into their open week here in a couple of weeks. So defensively, I want to see really what they're made of. I think we'll see a lot more of that this week um, going on the road at Bama. And then offensively, I've been impressed with Jackson Dart. This is the best I've ever seen him play. Yeah. But I need to see Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley and all these guys get going. I haven't quite seen the the run game with the running backs in particular been like it was a year ago. Yeah, Judkins, you know, during the week they didn't necessarily think he was going to play. Uh, it was kind of a game-time decision. He he said, hey, I can go. So they played him some, not as much as he probably will down the road. Had 37 carries uh, for – had a touchdown there in the fourth quarter when, when Ole Miss uh, pulled, the, pulled away in that game. I'm sorry, 13 carries, 37 yep. yards is what I meant to say on, on Judkins' uh, stats. So a little bit of exposure, a little bit of getting back in it. Uh, not the full load you would think he will uh, could carry for them going down the road. Um, but 
if you're going to win against this competition, you got to have both. Mm-hmm. You know, you Dart's going to have to throw the ball. Again, his ability to run is a plus, but you got to get the running game going uh, all the way all the way around for Ole Miss if they're going to be what they want to be. Now, the best part of this upcoming week, Week Four, is that that game right there is one of six rank versus rank matchups in the AP poll. We have Ole Miss versus or Ole Miss at Bama. Then you'll have UCLA at Utah, Colorado at Oregon, um, Oregon State at Washington. A lot of these from the pack. I mean, the pack is having, I mean, a very good year. I think they have eight teams ranked in the AP Top 25. Then you have Ohio State at Notre Dame, Iowa at Penn State to sort of round that whole thing out. Yeah. This is the this is best week of the year so far, thus far. This is, this, I mean, there's matchups on matchups this week. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, the deeper you go, you get past uh, the, the non-conference games, even though some of those matchups you mentioned were, were non-conference games, but... Uh, you look around as far as from our perspective at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, you know, obviously focusing on uh, SEC, Big 12. You, you mentioned some of those uh, key games in the SEC and just looking at the schedule. Uh, you know, Auburn, Hugh Freeze off to a 3-0 and start. Uh, they've got their first league road game under Hugh. They're at A&M yep. this week. Uh, we mentioned Ole Miss at Alabama. Tennessee. Yep. Home. You would think just by the name, but they're playing San Antonio. And San yeah. Antonio is a pretty good pretty good football team. So Tennessee's not going to be able to just roll the ball out there and and get the easy and, win at home. I don't think. And especially think. if Frank Harris Jr. returns this week yeah. too because he was he's he was out against Army and that's why they struggled this past week. But if he comes back, that could be the trouble. Yeah, and then a game uh that that's interesting uh not necessarily because it's going to impact uh, the the top, um, but two coaches that you know for Mississippi State and South Carolina, you know states two and one, South Carolina one and two, and this could be a game, Gabe, that it kind of sets the tone of okay, which way is this season going to go mm-hmm. for whoever wins this game and and on the other side, if you lose it, can you bounce back, or does it set the tone to to keep backpedaling. Uh, so if you're a state fan, uh, I'd say this is a big game for them. Yep. Uh, you know, do you do you keep making some progress under the new head coach, under Zach? And obviously it's a, it's a different look Mississippi State team. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're used to slinging around. Will Rogers, you know, rolling up the numbers uh, with the passing yardage. But that era, unfortunately, went when – Mike Leach passed. Such a such a tough, and, and tough Zach year Arnett to deal has with. Has a different approach, and they are a very different looking football team for it, sure. It's really it's really tough to sort of watch them right now because I think they they had this style that they had, this culture they had built, and obviously yeah. Coach Leach passes away, and now it's just all has, has seemed to dissipate for the most part. And I, I, I'm watching Will Rogers play, and he's having to hand the ball off a whole lot more, and it just doesn't look right. He doesn't look, you know. He doesn't look himself yeah. because he is he is a guy who came in to play an air raid, drop That's back right. a bunch, and, and yep. sling it all over the yard. And he's exactly he's right. had a lot of success doing it, and this year he's not able to do that as much. It's 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 tough, it's tough. But they were they were dealt some tough cards. That's and the truth again. Of it. So that that is a a work in progress as they get accustomed to running this new offense under uh, Zach Arnett. Then take a quick look on the other side of the matchup for us on the on the Big Twelve side. They've got five undefeated teams at 3-0 and as well. BYU, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, UCF. And there were a couple of teams this past week uh, got their first wins of the season, and they were needing them badly. Two of the brand names in the, in the Big 12, Baylor and Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, they, they both stumbled out of the starting blocks, and uh, they were both able to uh, get their first wins of the year. Big win uh, for Neil Brown. I had West Virginia this past week beating yep. uh, the neighborhood rival Pitt, so they're two and one. And then you look at uh, you know this week, uh, Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Yep, Cincinnati new to the Big Twelve. I think that's this is their Big Twelve opener. Uh, mentioning those two undefeated teams, BYU Kansas. BYU is at Kansas this week. Texas is at Baylor, and then UCF at Kansas State. And it'll be interesting with Kansas State going back home. Uh, 
playing an undefeated UCF team, how does Kansas State respond to taking it on the chin, and especially that emotional ending there against Mizzou? So uh, some interesting games. How do teams respond? And, you know, the good ones respond in a positive way. I've never been to Manhattan, Kansas. But I, I have, have to say, I and you can, you can probably speak to it. The little apple, baby. I have heard on several occasions from several different guys that have played there that it can get real weird and sleepy at times. It's just, a, and obviously that's usually a day game or like an eleven a.m. game. Yeah. This will be a this will be a seven p.m. game. This yeah. will be a late game. But I hear it's just a strange place to play. Like it gets packed out, oh, yeah. and they're very rabid about about that uh, that team in general. But it just can be a little. It's just a strange place to play. It can wear on you. It can just sort of be a little quieter than you expect and it lull you to sleep. Is that is that the truth or you is know, it is it is it it's riled up? That you describe it that way because that has not been my experience. Okay, uh, that that they're they're into it. Of course they uh, are. Yeah, inter- interesting. Interesting. Yeah. but you know, yeah, you know, it's a fabled place on some level. Uh, you know, they had uh, Bill Snyder, the legendary Hall of Fame coach, of there for so many years. A statue of uh, Coach Snyder out front of the stadium, and uh, you know they've done a great job over the last uh, five to ten years uh, improving the facilities there, uh, amenities to the stadium, uh, anything that you know a big time program will do. And obviously, with Chris Kleiman there, he's unbelievable. Uh, you know, people were wondering. You know, th- things started to slide a little bit there at the end of Coach Snyder's tenure, and they brought in Chris, who had had great success at his previous places, and it and it was okay. We kind we're kind of hitting the reset button there in in uh, Manhattan, and uh, they've done it. Yep. And uh, obviously, Kleiman has done a great job. We've had him here. Uh, fun place to play. Okay, but again, but, it, but you're from that part of the world. Yeah, your typical. Midwestern, yes. Everybody's drinking uh, bush light <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> yes. at the tailgate, and uh, it, it's fun. And you know, it, it it is. I would say this: different. They're, they're they love their football team, yeah. But the vibe there is different than an SEC school. Okay, just and uh, I think yeah. that's just the regionality of it, uh-huh. uh, and. The folks being the folks. Yeah. And a lot I, of farmers. A lot of farmers in that part of the world. And I do always, whenever I hear Chris Kleiman's name, I have to shoot off yeah. my take about him. Him and Kyle Whittingham are the coaches in the FB, or especially in the Power Five, that get the most out of the least. And they do yes. every yep. single year. Really good coaches. But, Harold, great stuff as always. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Gabe. Yes, sir. He is the Associate Executive Director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Harold Grader on X at Harold Greater. I need to go ahead and transition up out of here, and we have to go ahead and get to the Blitz. We'll do that next on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear here on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Disaster strike at inopportune times, and when those times strike, guess what? You need someone to respond. I'll tell you who responds better than anybody in the area. That would be Service Master by Cornerstone. Locally owned, locally operated. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, so they're great to help you here in Memphis. But don't just call them because they're the largest. Call them because they're the best. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Store franchise in the United States of America. I hope none of these things ever happen to you, but they do happen. Whether you have a uh, water damage, you can have a busted water heater, busted pipes, you can have frozen pipes, a toilet that overflows, uh, you can have storm damage, a fire, and there's smoke damage. If you need mold remediation, call Service Master by Cornerstone. No matter the place, no matter the size, they're here to help you and respond to the damage you may have. So, whether it's a school, a residential property, office building, your home in general, Service Master by Cornerstone will help you. Tyler, the president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, and his team take pride in what they do. And what they are prideful about is responding at moments like this. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster, we just pray we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated, Service Master by Cornerstone. And I keep bringing up that word, respond, because they respond so well in your time of need. That's their number. 901-RESPOND. 901-R-E-S-P-O-N-D. 901-RESPOND for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now, we are live from the Service Master by Cornerstone studio. And it's time to go ahead and hop into the Blitz. 
now, the biggest stories overloading the line of bull rush of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, Memphis's sports station. And always remember that the Blitz is brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Connor, I know that you have some Colorado, Colorado State. We're getting the greatest hits off the top of the Blitz today. Speaking of hits, safety Henry Blackburn was assessed for a foul for unsportsmanlike conduct after a late hit out of bounds on Travis Hunter. The hit sent Travis Hunter to the hospital and will leave him out of the lineup for at least three weeks. Um, Here's the truth of it. I've seen this hit going around. I saw it live. I stayed up till 1.30 to watch the end of that game, and I'm I'm glad I did, but the next day I was a little bit tired. I I have to say, I, I don't think the human body on a Saturday night, is supposed to stay up till 1.30 watching a uh, 2 OT game. But hey, that's beside the point. Colorado won. It was fun to watch. What was not fun to watch was that hit. I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was wrong. I thought Henry Blackburn was completely in the wrong. And, and I see today that he's got like, his mother or... Uh, his mother and him, the number, his numbers, those numbers got leaked on the internet, and he's getting threats. That's ridiculous. We don't need to do that. Sometimes guys make mistakes in games. It doesn't mean that they're dirty people or dirty players. They just made a dirty play. But I absolutely think this was a dirty play. And quite frankly, I've seen people say, well, you know, the flag showed that it was a dirty play. Hopefully he doesn't want to replicate that and give them another 15 yards. Uh, when it comes back around, if he does it again, then we can talk about uh, suspension or, or, or more action being taken because of hits like this. I think they need to take action now. I don't see why you don't give him a one-game suspension. My problem with the hit is not that he hit Travis Hunter hard. You can do that. You're well within your rights to do that. But the issue was it was head hunting. It had nothing to do with making a play on the ball. The ball had sailed already. There was a pass interference that was going to be called. Travis Hunter was a defenseless person in that situation. He hit him right in the chest. And now you hear Skip Bayless talking about, and I don't know if this is fully true. This is just what Skip Bayless is reporting, that uh, uh, Travis Hunter is going to be out three or four weeks because he's got a laceration to his liver. He hit him so hard, Henry Blackburn, that Travis Hunter has a laceration to his liver. And quite frankly, the blow should have never been delivered in the first place. It was strictly because there's a target on the back of Travis Hunter in Colorado, and he decided to take it out on them, send a message. I, I, don't, I didn't see that hit through any other lens besides I am going to try to hurt and send a message uh, to Travis Hunter. And and that frustrates me in a lot of ways. Um, I understand that Colorado has built up this, um, you know, there seems to be a certain amount of contention with any team that goes in and plays them. There's a lot of talk back and forth with every opponent they have. So other teams go into that week and really are are frustrated with Colorado and want to give them their best shot. And that's probably why you saw that game so close, rivalry game. Uh, Colorado State on the road in front of that crowd. They were hyped up. But in the end of the day, I don't think hits like that can happen. Now, I don't think the NCAA is going to do anything because they've gotten into this role of not really trying to want to punish players. But I think if there was ever a time for a dirty hit to go punish a player, Henry Blackburn needs to be serving a suspension of a game or two. It, it was truly a dirty hit, and I, don't, I can't view it any other way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure how anybody can watch that replay and chalk it up to, oh, well, that's just He was trying to make a play. That's just football. He was trying to make a play. No, he wasn't. I mean, the the, the play was essentially over. He He used a player to hide himself and popped out and smacked Hunter as hard as he possibly could. Hunter did not see him coming. He didn't know he was there. And now he's in the hospital. There's no place for that in college football. That's not or any fo- level of football. That's not good old hard hitting football. That's head hunting, like you said. There was a time. There's a bounty 15, 20 that. years ago. Sure. Where sure a hit like that flies. We have come a long way. Absolutely. In trying to keep players safe and trying to take out the bounty part of it. Trying to take out uh, where you're just trying to hit to injure. And that was a hit to injure. There was no other real explanation as to why he makes that hit when the ball has sailed already and the play is basically dead. Listen, if if a guy gets hit like that and it's a real football play and it's just a huge hit, it's a huge hit. He deliberately hid himself so that he could like sneak attack that's not a football play like we don't need to pretend that it is it was headhunting there's no place for that it's going to get somebody hurt i understand it was a high emotion game it did get somebody hurt but it could get right it It could have been much worse like it's already bad but it could have been much much worse 
I understand it's a high emotion game, but you've got to be able to control those emotions. You have to be able to control them. There's just no place for that. It was a dirty hit. There's no other way to look at it. It's very odd that I think people were making arguments for it. And to be quite honest, I think a lot of the people making the argument that it wasn't a dirty hit just dislike Colorado. It has nothing to actually do with them wanting to defend the kid. It has everything to do with their dislike about Dion in, in Colorado. Yeah, and then you could also tell that Henry Blackburn really wanted to send a message because he's looking at the Colorado sideline, standing over Travis Hunter when he's hurt the way he is. He tried just, to flex it. I like, just, come I, on, I, man. I hated every every bit of that. I thought it was an ejectable hit in the moment, and they didn't end up ejecting him. He just got the unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, but I, I hated that altogether. Now, Colorado's going to have to decide what they're going to do to replace Travis Hunter's production. Uh, yeah. Shiloh Sanders, speaking of Shiloh Sanders, was talking about it to the media, and he said, it's like losing two players at once. You're losing your top 100%. wide receiver and your best defensive player for three weeks now, and you have Oregon and USC on the way on national television. So, like, what are they going to do? I did always think that this type of thing was possible. When you leave Travis Hunter on the field, there's a target on his back, and he's playing 130 snaps a game. Maybe you have to take back some of those snaps. And I'm certain when he comes back from this, they'll probably have to limit those snaps to a certain extent because maybe the the uh, conditioning for him may be a little bit down. But I... I wonder what they're going to do because this is this is a massive loss for them. Huge, huge loss. loss. It's a huge loss for college football fans and Colorado. It just sucks, man. Like, Colorado, what what Prime is doing with Colorado is so exciting. It's it's a real cultural moment, and for for something like this to happen to take Travis Hunter off the field, it's just so unfortunate. Yep. And to be quite honest, anybody that's defending the actions of him. Don't. It, it's it, because of what happened. Somebody got seriously injured because of this. There is no argument that I can see that to make that it wasn't hunting, that it wasn't yeah. targeting. And the fact that it was Travis Hunter. Like, yes. let's be honest here. Yes. It wasn't some random guy he hit on Colorado. Yep. He picked out Travis Hunter and went and Saw took an out, opportunity and took and out took their, it. one of their best players, if not their best player. Ridiculous. That I'm not, you know, the suspension thing, whatever. But he needs to be held accountable for what he did, and it's ridiculous. Now, that being said, stop harassing him and his mother, too. Yes, That's silly yes. as well. I did also see the argument, and we'll, we'll move on after this. I did see the argument. Well, if it happens again, then you can start reprimanding him and suspending him games. You want to see something like this happen again? Right. You want to see a guy go to the hospital right after getting hit and laid out on the sideline? I don't. Let them know right now. That's unacceptable. You've got to put it into it, because other teams will do it. Because Colorado's exactly. going to—they're the type of team that people teams are going to get emotional and when they take play them. That opportunity. They're going to get angry, and because the Colorado is good, they're fun. Yes, they talk a lot. Sure, that doesn't mean you could headhunt their best yeah. guys. Period. Yeah. The Blazers want the Heat to empty out all their assets for Damian Lillard per Brian Windhorst. They want the Heat literally to scrounge into every nook and cranny and produce everything they possibly can. The Heat don't feel a need to do that. The Heat shouldn't feel a need to do that because Damian Lillard says, I'm not reporting to camp if anybody else trades for me. <laughs> this is where we get back to the to the crux of the conversation. Damian Lillard and James Harden, how much they have put their current franchises behind the eight ball when it comes to finding all they need in return for, for those two players, for players of that ilk. Damian Lillard has put the Trailblazers in a bad position, and I'm telling you right now, and I, I want you to speak to this, Connor, because I know you hate this. You ju- you're, you're, just so get the damn it. deal done. I'm so over this. I've been, I've been over it for a while, too, but get this deal done with. Um, the Heat are not going to settle. They're not. They're not going to go overboard to go try to get Damian Lillard just because they want Damian Lillard. They were in the finals last year. They're not going to give you everything in return for Damian Lillard based on what Damian Lillard has already said about not wanting to report to camp for any other team. They know that you're desperate. They know you want to move on. You have Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons that need the ball in the backcourt. Having Damian Lillard along for that ride would not help them in their development. They know that you need to offload Damian Lillard. They're going to give you as little as possible to go make that happen. Now, Tyler Hero's still on the table. I have heard that the the Charlotte Hornets may be the third team that gets involved here because they may want to pair LaMelo Ball and Tyler Hero. Um, that'd be good. That'd be all right. But uh, uh, I, I, I'm sick of this thing altogether. And I, if the Blazers are seriously trying to wait out the heat and have the heat give them a king's ransom for Damian Lillard, that's not happening. It will not happen. The heat want Dame. They don't need him. 
Yes. Period. Yes. That's, that's what's happening luxury. here. That they're like, hey, we'll talk to you at the deadline if it goes till then. They're just like, if we can get him on this team before the playoffs start next year, that's all that really matters to the Heat. They don't need him for the regular season. They're going to be fine. I think two things can be true here. One, Dame screwed the Blazers. Yes. He just, he did. He yeah. put them between <laughs> so a rock now. and a hard place so in now. the worst possible way. He signed a huge extension and then asked for a trade when everybody knew where this where this train was going two or three years ago. Congratulations, you made it to the Western Conference Finals once. It was kind of fake. Like the reason you got there were a lot of injuries by a lot of teams. It's great you got there. You had that moment. It's over. You're not getting any, but like there's nothing else that's going to happen with Dame there. You've got to move. You at some point you have to bite the bullet. You have to realize, listen, Dame screwed us, and we we're kind of just here. Like they, they got us. We're in the crosshairs. But quite frankly, with all the young players they have on that roster, Shaden Sharp, you Anthony need, Simons, you don't need a uh, King's Scoot ransom. Henderson. Scoot Henderson, go get a little bit of draft value. Yeah. See what you can get as far as like role players are concerned, and move on with yes, your life. Move on. And that, right. that's that's been the issue with the uh, with the Trailblazers this entire time for the past three four years. They haven't wanted to move on from Damian Lillard. Move on. Exactly. Move on. You're, you're going you to have God. to. You're going to have to settle. The Heat are not. I promise you. Just based on how they've operated in the past, they're going to try to try to win a trade. So they're not going to give you everything you feel like you're owed. Right. Exactly. You got got you got screwed by Dame, but you also get the Heat got you. There's no the, they, there is no reason for them to make a huge King's ransom from Dame and also, after everything that's if been. If we're said. really playing hardball and I'm the Heat, I'd say, are you really going to keep Dame? I like. Okay, if if we don't, that's what I mean. If we don't like, agree to something. Okay. Are you really going to keep Dame? Because that makes no sense. That's either. what I mean. They'll be like. Pat Riley's like, okay, I'll talk to you in a couple months. Like yeah. he's like, I don't. It doesn't matter if Dame's until on my you team ask, now. Until you ask for less, I will table yeah. these discussions. But actually, over the weekend, it sounded like there was some Movements. more talks, movement. Some movement Hopefully. Finally, hopefully. I hope this thing gets done, though. I am tired of talking about. It, it. Sounds like the Next third time, team might get it done. I'll say this: Next time we discuss this, Connor, which hopefully will be in a, a week or two, maybe less than that. I hope we're talking about a final trade package. And we can talk about maybe the Hornets getting involved and them having a new big two of LaMelo Ball and Tyler Hero and Dame going to the Heat. What does that mean for the I want to talk about the end result, not the way we're getting there anymore. Wouldn't it be such a Hornets move, though, to trade for Dame, even though he has said <laughs> he won't play for anybody Probably, yeah. except for the Heat? They're like, yeah. ah, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I heard Sham say something about the only two teams that he'd report to camp for would be uh, the Blazers and the Heat. And I'm like, would he really? Re- if he's not going to report to camp for any other team... I wouldn't tell him to report. Why? why? Like, why would why would he report for the Trailblazers? If you're the Blazers, camp? I would be like, Dame, this is not your team anymore, man. Yeah. Sorry. You, yeah. Like, you ended that relationship with all of this crap you've done this summer. But there's been just too many updates for nothing to actually happen yet. Yeah. And that's, Somebody's that's, leaking that's something. That's the worst part. Yeah. That's the most I'm frustrating praying, part of the whole praying thing. praying to I the basketball to gods that this third team can get this deal done. <laughs> for Please. Sure. Push it Please. across the finish line. Please. But that'll do it for the Blitz. One more segment left in the day. That'll be the rewind when we return on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. Now it's the rewind. Now we play about like rewind. Brought to you by Memphis Barbecue Company. Rewind on 92.9. Show was great. Talked about our takeaways. Talk about my takeaways from NFL Week 2 and College Football Week 3. Jeff Calkins joined. At 5 o'clock, talk about the stadium renovation proposal we've heard and learned about in the past week. And Harold Grader popped on to talk some college football week three. Uh, we looked ahead to week four. Well, we will have six, yes, count them, six ranked versus ranked matchups. Should be fun. We also uh, have some Monday Night Football on the way tonight. Two games, one already rolling. Saints at Panthers going on on ESPN. And Browns at Steelers here in about 20 minutes. So uh, we have time to make a pick. Let's go ahead and do that. What's the biggest game tonight? Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Steelers at home versus the Browns. Browns come off a week one victory against the Bengals. It wasn't even close. Their defense looked great. They made Joe Burrow look ridiculously human. Um, But the Browns are minus two on the road. The total is 39 and a half. I don't want to do anything against the spread here. I think the Steelers are in a weird spot where they want to prove that they can win a game. And they just sort of got blown out by the 49ers last week. I like... Something on the total tonight. I know what people say. Life's too short to take the under. But take the under. Take it. 
These teams are out of it offensively. Deshaun Watson hasn't shown that he's um, going to relive his Houston Texans glory days. The Steelers really struggled last week against the 49ers. Their run game is not improved, and they can't keep Kenny Pickett upright. I think Jim Schwartz, the new D.C. for the Browns, has proven himself and improved that side of the ball. I mean, if you watched last week against the Bengals, you saw that. Um, And the Steelers are looking to prove that their defense is still elite. Yeah, they have a Cam Hayward injury, but I think they'll be able to get over that. It's a low number at 39.5, but let's get it. Let's take under 39.5 tonight in that game. Fast forward. Fast forward. The stadium renovation discussion will rage on. The debate will rage on. Does Memphis also, talking about this weekend, do they have a shot at taking down Mizzou in St. Louis? We just watched Mizzou handle their business at home against Kansas State, the number 15 team in the country. They're going to be riding high. Can the Tigers take advantage? Well, the Memphis Tigers, can they take advantage of that? We'll uh, have some NFL Week 3 discussion, College Football Week 4 discussion, so make sure that you join us tomorrow and for the rest of the week. But that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Harold Grader and Jeff Calkins for their contributions to the show. We'll meet back here at the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and pass you off to Amber and Ian. For Connor, I'm Gabe. Easy, be safe, and enjoy the rest of your night. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say play 92.9 ESPN. All 36 months, 650 acquisition. P4TLSX, PE 678605, MSRP 21610, Nero, P507859, MSRP 4109, EV6, P56109, 64, MSRP 49687. Includes all rebates and incentives. Must finance through Hyundai. Excludes tax file and license. See dealer for complete details. Offer valid through 10 2023 with approved credit dealer stock only. Hey, Jeff Allen, I hear gossip Kia South on Mount Moriah is about to blow my socks off. That's right, Brandy. Get 41 MPG Highway with the 2023 Kia Forte LXS, $229 a month, $29.99 do it signing. What about those cool new EVs? I've got EV action with a 2023 Nero EV Win SUV, 253 miles of EPA, estimated range, $269 a month, $49.99 do it signing. And a 2023 Kia EV. V6 win, 134 city, 101 highway, MPGE, $399 a month, $49.99 do it signing. Plus, you'll get a free charger with every EV purchase, all 36-month lease. And Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. So whether you live in Horn Lake, South Haven, Olive Branch, or Memphis, you'll be happy, happy at Casa Kia on Mount Moriah. The NFL season is here, and now's the time to get incredible offers with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.